0: Amen. Y'all may be seated. Man, that is some good stuff. Uh, man, I can't, I can't get over it, man. That worship team, is, we're so blessed. And, and one of the things I love the most is seeing Octavio up here, one of our very own students, uh, just jamming on the cello. Man, that's so cool. And you see him on Sunday mornings, jamming and, and playing with, with every band. And, and we're privileged and blessed to be able to have students that are willing to, to stand up, right, and, and use their gifts and talents hey if you have a gift or a talent I know more I, I know for sure Raha would love to have you right Raha yes, yeah he would love to have you on on the team if you want to sing I mean we, we're here to also push you and motivate you to uh, serve okay and use your gifts and talents for that well so excited we're in week three and and I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to see you guys come together as I was saying earlier I, I'm so happy because About a year ago, a year ago around this time, there you go, thanks Octavio. (laughs) About a year ago this time, we started hearing a little bit about the coronavirus. We started hearing about, I think the first case was in February, if I'm not mistaken, around here. And I know we get tired of of hearing that. We get sick and tired of hearing about COVID-19. Well, we get it. Yeah, it's been a whole year of that. But I, I had to bring it up today because it reminded me of of when we were not able to do this, not only were we were not able to do this, we weren't able to leave our house. Okay, so I remember when when quarantine the first thing that happened when quarantine first happened, I was a little rebellious. I should not have been, but I remember the first time, the night that like the, Facebook was sharing all these messages about how there was like a mandate, like the the judge said you can't you can't leave your house past eleven or something, and I was like ah, whatever. <laughs> so I drove out and I'm driving and it's like a movie like it's dead silent there's not like there's nobody on the road and it's it literally kind of scared me i was like yo this is weird like this is like the start of a scary movie that i know is not gonna end well and i'm out here driving probably gonna die but i didn't i ended up you know god, god bless me to go back home and i stayed home but then the next couple weeks things started getting crazier and then we got shut down who, does anybody remember when like like the, like the whole America shut down? Do you guys remember that? Uh, were any of you like had to be stuck at home? Yeah, right? What were some things that you did when you were like stuck at home? Left. Lifetime? <laughs> My mom, what'd you say? Left home. Left home? Oh no, okay. <laughs> You're still alive, so praise God for that. So You should not have left home. You were supposed to stay home. But I remember... I was I was uh here in, in my office, I was still the ministry assistant. And I remember being on my computer and I get an email or a message. We had just got back from a mission trip called Beach Reach. It was a spring break mission trip. And the people that we were staying with next to us got COVID. And we were like, we were freaking out. I was like, what do I do? Like I was exposed. Like they were like staying like n- to the house next to us and like what if we cross paths at one point? What if I touched you know, the steps? Of and I started freaking out. And, and, and Marcus was like, dude, go home. So I remember going home and I was in my house alone. Well, I had roommates, but hey. Uh, I was in my house, in my room for like, I think a month. In my room, okay? And I remember feeling so alone. And I used to think that I was so strong Mentally, I used to think that, that I could be on my own, and I could not. I, I freaked out, and, and I started feeling anxious. Like, what if this never gets cleared? What if I'm in my room forever, and like, I can't go to Whataburger again? Like, no, no, like, what, 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 what if I'm never able to live life again? I felt trapped. I felt like it was a pri- literally a prison. And I know maybe that's exaggerating because you know prisons are pretty bad. If you look in the cell, it's like this tight of a room. And you know, I had an okay room and I had my TV in there, right? But you can only watch Netflix for so long until you go crazy. And I, I was in quarantine, just what do I do? I feel anxious. But the thing that got me through quarantine was obviously Jesus, but not only that, but the community that I was still able to engage with. You see, we're continuing our series and, and, and about talking about being overwhelmed, right? And we've talked about acknowledging where we are, right? We've talked about dealing with our shame. And the thing is, is that we're now gonna talk about the importance of community and how God puts community in our lives for a purpose. You, you see, it's so important to the everyday life of the Christian. And it's key when we deal with depression, anxiety, when we're overwhelmed, When we're in a community, it's safe to be vulnerable. We have people who know us, who love us, and point us to the gospel and where to get help when we're in these dark moments, right? When we're overwhelmed. And we were still able to have community through Zoom. Praise God for Zoom. So I remember getting phone calls uh, from my friends. I even remember one time, uh, me and uh, Israel, like we FaceTimed, I was in my room, and he was like at home and, and we Facetime because we at that time we were like uh, hanging out and, and, and trying to grow together and I remember FaceTiming him and I was in my room, just there in my room because I couldn't go anywhere, we couldn't meet in person, we were quarantined. And it was through th- those moments of community that I realized something, that if it wasn't for community, I don't know where I would be. I would still be dealing with anxiety and, and depression and, and just feeling overwhelmed. God created community for a reason. That's why we're here together. That's why we gather on Zoom. And one of the best examples that, that we can see in, in the Bible that we have about how important community is is with the writer of like almost the entire New Testament, Paul. Okay, so if you don't know, Paul uh, was someone who used to persecute Christians. He used to hate Christians. And then Jesus revealed to him Right, in a vision who he really was, and and Paul became a Christian, and then he became like a big-time missionary, started traveling to places, started going to jail for Jesus, and he ended up writing most of the New Testament, like the letters to Ephesians, to Romans, and to the passage that we're gonna be in today to the church of Philippi. So if you have your Bible, we will be in Philippians, uh, chapter one, verses three through eight. And we're gonna see how he was going through so many things, yet, was still able to share the gospel and celebrate with his community. So how does Paul confront his current situation? So uh, some scholars believe that he was writing this letter while he was in prison, possibly, while he was, you know, like in jail and trying to figure out how to do things. He was still writing to people and he wrote a lot of letters out of prison. And, and I believe that uh, the first thing that, that Paul does is that he confronts his situation with joy. He confronts his situation with joy. So again, pause here, possibly writing to the church of Philippi or to the people of Philippi in prison, and he's writing with joy. Verse three says this, "I says, I give thanks to my God, to our God, for every remembrance of you, always praying with what? Joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You see, one of Paul's many characteristics that we should try to uh, emulate and and follow is how often he prayed, but not only how he prayed, I mean, not only that he prayed, but how he prayed. And he prayed specifically with joy. Now, we've talked about this before, but happiness and joy are two completely different things, okay? Joy and happiness are two completely different things because happy is an emotion, right? When you're mad, you're mad. When you're happy, you're happy. When you're sad, you're sad. It comes and goes as it pleases, but joy, joy is forever. Joy is forever. The enemy cannot steal the joy that we have in Christ. It can make us mad, it can make he can make us sad. He can make us frustrated but he can't steal the joy that we have in jesus and that's very key for you to remember joy and happiness two completely different things so paul is saying that i am filled with joy and i'm praying with joy but what's he joyful about why is he so joyful first of all obviously he's new in jesus he understands who jesus is he understands where he's going he understands his mission he's confident But he remembers the joys of his brothers and sisters, and he's thankful for it. I give thanks for my remembrance of you. He's remembering those times, the times that they went and shared the gospel, the times that they laughed, the times that they've created moments of being with them and being so thankful. He remembers also the joy of the gospel itself, the joy of where he once was and is now found in Jesus. Are you following with me? Joy and happiness happiness different. And Paul is confronting his situation of potentially being in prison with joy. Is he anxious? Probably. Is he scared? Probably. I would be too. You don't know if you're going to live the next day while you're in prison. Man, they only give you a piece of bread, I would, I mean, it'd be good for me because I need a diet. But (laughs) Paul was probably starving, Right? but he's confronting with joy. So my question is, what are, you, what are you joyful for today? What gives you joy? What are you thankful for? What joys has Christ shown in your life that you can look back on? What are they? I have many. Obviously, my, my, myself, the, the joy that I find in the salvation of Jesus, of his salvation for us, brings me so much joy. The joy that I know where I'm going. The joy that, that if I die right now, I'm going to be with Jesus. If I die tomorrow, I'm going to be with Jesus. The joy of knowing that if I'm still alive, I can participate in, in being a disciple and a disciple maker. It's a win-win. Those are the joys that I celebrate. What are yours? What are yours? Contemplate. Think about it. I challenge you. Write a list. Go home. Say, man, this is, this is what I'm thankful for. This is what I'm joyful for. And as you write those down, watch how they add up watch, and you will be overwhelmed at how sometimes we overlook the little things in our life that we are to be joyful for. And not only are we to be joyful as Paul is because he, he confronts with joy, but then we see that he confronts with confidence. He confronts this situation with confidence. Like, man, I'm, I'm confident. Verse six, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will, doesn't say maybe, might, possibly, will carry it on to completion, finish, until the day of Christ Jesus. I am sure of this. So he's sounding confident. Why is he confident? Because he knows who started everything. He knows who started everything. Who started everything? God himself, who has no beginning and no end, who is and always will be. He knows, once again, who he's serving. He's reminding himself of the joys, and because of the joys, he can be confident, knowing that Jesus, who began this in the first place, is going to finish it. God finishes what he starts. God finishes what he starts starts. Uh, When we look at God, and we've said this so many times, but he promised us a savior. He promised, and it started with Abraham. It started with Abraham, well really Adam, and then he messed up, right, and all that. But but Abraham, he, he gave a promise to Abraham that there would be a miracle, that Jesus would be born of a virgin, and he would come and save the world. That happened years later, but he completed it. He started with a promise, and he fulfilled that promise. The miracle of Jesus, who then grew to become a man, fully God, fully man, and to die on the cross for the sins of the world. Man, that's a joy right there. Uh, The seats that you're sitting in, right now. This, this building that we're in is, is a building that was created, what, maybe a little over a year ago. And I remember we started this building project, and um, it was empty. It was something that we didn't know exactly how it was going to look at the end. We, we prayed faithfully that people would donate, and that we would be able to pay this off, and that we'd get the funds. Somehow, you can see behind me all the different things that this building went through. And at some point, I'm telling you, I didn't know, man, are we ever going to finish? I remember Marcus talking to me and saying, bro, this is is taking a toll, man. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to make it. Let's just paint everything black and just move in. (laughs) Like, Let's just, let's just not even worry about it, let's just move in. But he was faithful because he knew the God that he served. And, and he was confident that he who began a good work would finish it. And I'm standing, y'all, this is crazy. I'm standing, to, I'm standing in front of you today and I'm sharing some news with you that, that not a lot of people know. Y'all, by the end of this year, or earlier actually, in a few months, this building is going to be fully paid off can we praise god for that this, this like hear me i'm talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars here oh my gosh it's a lot of money oh my gosh okay this building is going to be paid off i mean look at look at where we started Ooh, that failed but look at us now We're in the beautiful blessing of God's promise, and we can be confident. We can approach our anxiety, depression, and fear in confidence knowing that he who began a good work will complete it. God finishes his work. As our confidence grows, we understand also that we were created for community and that we are called to battle our anxieties together. We understand that we were created for community, and that we are to battle our anxieties together. This building was not made by one person. This building took a lot of work, a lot of hands. Some of your young adult leaders, your C group leaders, painted some of these rooms. We were in this young adult room painting all day, sometimes till ten at night. We were put. Uh, carpet squares. I remember, I think for Valley Project too, some of you guys over here for Valley Project, we were just finishing up. You can smell it still, and some of you guys are like, oh, it smells good. And I was like, oh, it smells bad, right? <laughs> like, you can still smell it as new. And we put carpet squares and, and things that like, it took time, it took a community to finish. And with that being said, in times of anxiety and, and, and craziness and depression, we confront with community. We confront those things with community. Verse seven says this. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. We are partners of the gospel. You and me, we're partners of the gospel. That means that we're gonna work together to share the gospel, to live out the gospel, to battle our anxieties and depression. The gospel is the one thing that connects us all together with people in McAllen, the Rio Grande Valley, Texas, the U.S., and all over the world. We have one thing in common for those of us that have surrendered their lives to Jesus. And that as we, and that is, is that we are alive in Jesus. We have one thing in common with the rest of the world. And that is that we are alive in Jesus if we've surrendered it to him. We are part of a bigger purpose, a bigger family, a bigger church. He can confront his situation with the confidence that he has a family that he can battle with. So my question is simple. Do you have a community? Are you taking advantage of the blessings, of community. As God created the world, he kept stating things in the beginning. He created the skies, the seas, whatever, he said, and it was good, and it was good. Created the land, and it was good. He saw that it was good. Created man, he saw that it was good, and then the first thing he says that was bad, the first thing is for man to be alone. The first thing in the Bible that we read that says this is bad. For man to be alone. And so the the importance of community is rooted in who God is. The importance of community is rooted in who God is. The three-in-one God that we serve. As we partake in community, we love with the affection of Christ. We are united. We are united. Some of these photos that you may recognize, some people, some of you guys are here. Look at these photos and remember the times when, you know, pre-COVID, how united we were. No, scratch that, how united we are in Christ. We're united, we are one ministry, one church. And we're partners of the gospel with with BT, with FBE, with Palm Valley, with First McAllen, we are partners of the gospel with them. They are not our enemies. They are not competition. There are our brothers and sisters in Christ that we fight the battle with. And as we do that, we love with the affection of Christ. We love with the affection of Christ. Verse eight, for God is my witness, how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul misses them. He's, again, he's created memories, moments, full of love, your community is rooted in the love that Jesus has demonstrated to us and through us. I can't tell you how many times my community has been there for me in times of anxiety and dark times. I can't imagine, I cannot imagine how hard it would be to go through life without my closest friends. I cannot even begin to fathom. And for some of you in this room, it's been a while since maybe you've talked to your closest friend because of COVID. It's been a while that, that you've called them and say, hey, how are you, man? It's been a few weeks, and I was talking to, to Brian earlier, asking him about one of our closest friends and, 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 and saying, hey, dude, you should reach out to him. It's been a while, we should call him. We're built for community. What if you were alone, and nobody reached out to you? Nobody understood what you were going through. There have been moments in my life where I regret not reaching out to people that I love and I find out later a loved one died of theirs. I find out they're sick and it's too late. As we mentioned a few weeks ago, we lost a dear friend, Andres. That was hard. I mean, I wasn't the closest to him, but he was someone that I was a partner of the gospel with. And I look back and I say, man. I." should have called them. I should have said something before it's too late. I want to end with, with this uh, quick example because I'm running out of time here. There's a novel that I haven't read, but I've heard about um, called Shades of Light. It's by Sharon Garlow and she tells a story of a woman who battles anxiety and depression. Uh, her name is Rain Crawford and in the process, she shows how Christians respond to her mental illness. And when Ren's mother asks her sister-in-law, Kit, how Kit made it through a horrible time in depression, this is what Kit says, listen to what she said. I didn't think I would make it. I almost didn't, but I had good people alongside me, people who didn't give up on me, that made a difference. Their faith helped me pull through. So whatever I can do for Ren or for you, know that I'll do it. The more trustworthy people are holding you through this, the better. We can't make journeys like this alone. So if you're struggling with with, with mental uh, illness in terms of like anxiety and depression, that it's very serious and it's a real thing, don't do it alone. Please don't. That's why we're here. That's why we're reminded every day that we're a community. And I challenge you this week, reach out to an old friend that you haven't heard in a while. Reach out to somebody that, that, that you maybe don't really know that well. Um, I wanna end on a, on a good note and celebrate something. If you were here last week or online and you saw, we, we had a, Octavio share with us uh, about a person that he's not very close to essentially, but still knows about, Emilian, I hope I said that correctly. And we were praying for people to raise money for, for his mother who was very, very, very sick to be sent to a, a specific hospital where she can get specific treatment that she can't get here. And guys, we can celebrate this too. Our prayers were answered and we raised over $50,000 for that family. Can we celebrate that as well? I mean, this is the reason why Why we're the church when we hear stories of Octavio, who's bold enough to say, I don't know you, man, but I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to do what I can to help you. That's community. That's what community looks like in Calvary students. You are a community, but you're not a community meant to be just Calvary students. You're meant to look for the lost, for the broken. Because we know that we're broken and there are more people out there who are dealing with with things like anxiety and depression, suicidal thoughts that we need to reach out to because God values them. God loves them. For God so loved the world, not Calvary. For God so loved the world. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much reminding us about the importance of community, what it looks like to be brothers and sisters that struggle together. We pray that you give us the courage and the boldness to be vulnerable with our community, that we reach out to somebody this week that we haven't reached out in a while, that we would be able to share our lives with an older person or someone that we can consider as a mentor who has wisdom that loves you, Jesus, and we can part our hearts, that we would be a church that looks at, 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 at the other believers as partners in the gospel. And that we will continue to abide in you for everything and everything. To your name we pray. Amen.